Hello, everybody. Let's try that again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move around this way because I don't want you guys to be behind me. Oh, well, here I am, standing at the front. First time here. So bear with me. I'm a bit nervous and I'm not used to speaking at the front like this. And um, I'm, I'm really blessed. Let me start by saying I'm really, really blessed to see... Um, Lots of people that I know really well, but so many people that I've, n- I've not even seen you before, and um, and some in between where I've got to know you a little bit. You've been here a few years, and I've got to know you a little bit. Um, but I'm aware that there's a lot of people that knew me really, really well when I was younger, and a lot of people who don't know me at all. So thank you, Steve, for your commendation. I really appreciate that. That means a lot to me. So I'm going to start off with a little story. I was in a prayer meeting about four or five years ago, and I felt this tickling sensation on my elbow. It literally felt like there was someone tickling my bare elbow. It was in the summer, and I sort of turned around, and there was nobody behind me. There wasn't like a spider crawling up or down or anything like that, and I was like, oh, okay, maybe this is what I've been asking for. I'd been asking God for, to make it really, really obvious. At that point, I hadn't seen anyone healed, and I wanted to, you know, have a real obvious so that I really really knew that this person was might just actually get healed so um are John and Davina here this morning no they're not here this morning ah well they they were at that prayer meeting and they were two out of the four people that were in our little group we'd split up into groups to pray for things and so I shared this with these two and and another chap who was there and said have any of you guys got something wrong with your right elbow because I'm just beginning to wonder, hope, a bit of faith, maybe, that maybe God wants to heal that. I certainly feel to share it. And um, the chap standing to my right um, said, not my right elbow, but my left elbow, which was inches away from my right elbow. He said, yeah, that's been really bad for a long time. Um, he'd done a lot of weightlifting, and he'd got a really bad tennis elbow. And, and it just hurt most of the time, and certain movements obviously hurt an awful lot more than than just normal and so I was like wow that's so cool maybe it's you know little little rise of excitement in me maybe this is actually going to happen and um can you all hear me okay I'm aware that as I pull it away it gets really quiet from my point of view but I don't want to keep eating it um so I put my hand on his elbow and and prayed my most elaborate prayer ever um you know, I was just like, oh, this might actually happen. I've got to pray really, really well and make sure I talk about the tendons and the nerves and the soft tissue and, and what else do you have? Muscles. Um, what else can I pray for? So I prayed, you know, really like lengthy, several minutes long prayer, I should think. And, um, and then stopped and I was like, is there anything going on? And he said, oh, right from the minute you touched my elbow. He said, you didn't need to do all that praying. He said, right from the minute you prayed. He said, all the pain went. And um, so, yeah, that's really good. So he started testing it out, and, and he couldn't make it hurt at all, anything he did. And I saw him the next Sunday and was like, how was your elbow? And it's like, still fine. Don't need to keep asking. It's all fine. There's nothing ever come back. And I was like, wow, that is amazing, absolutely amazing. And that was the first time I'd ever seen that when I'd prayed for somebody. Um, and so that's, that's my exciting story to start off with. Um, so I'm now going to go into um, a little bit of background. Um, My dad, I grew up, um, he was a Baptist minister. And before I was born, 
uh, God had been talking to him about the Holy Spirit. And back in the 1960s, as far as I understand, um, most churches didn't really believe that the Holy Spirit was for today. And so he started on this journey where God was telling him, no, it's, it's for today, and I want you to be leading it and teaching about it. And, and so he started practicing it, and he got filled with the Holy Spirit. My mum did, and other people in the church did. And so it, it carried on, and um, he started speaking at other churches. And actually, out of that movement that was happening at the time, our church happened. He, um, he spoke at a church where Don and John, Don Smith and John Groves were, and... Um, they, they got into it as well, and, and our church came about, as far as I understand, because of that. And so I'd grown up um, hearing about these things, learning about these things. You know, there weren't any books on how to prophesy, because nobody was prophesying. You know, they were sort of going, well, how do we actually do this stuff? Uh, what does it look like? And um, so I sort of grew up, you know, hearing these stories and watching people stepping out, um, Nobody raised hands in those days, so my dad was like, he was really shy, and it was really difficult to be the first one and the only one going, right, let's raise our hands, and hopefully else people will join in. Um, you know, so I'd, I'd seen this all, this really sort of stepping out, and because and, he was part of the Baptist Union, he knew lots about other missionaries, you know, he supported people in lots of other countries, and so we would hear these, old, you know, I can remember all sorts of stories, really wacky things to... Um, from other countries, you know, India and China and Africa, of witch doctors and food being multiplied and people being transported up and down mountains. And you're like, wow, that's, that's really exciting. So I grew up having no doubt that God could do all these things. Um, but they were all happening in faraway countries, or if they happened in our church, it was because some amazing visiting speaker had come, you know, and we'd have amazing weekend meetings and, and see dramatic things, and then they'd go away and it'd be like, oh, okay, we'll just get on with what we were doing before then kind of thing. This was my, my opinion, my story. Um, and, and so I knew it could happen, but I'd, and I'd been in meetings where it had happened, um, and I knew people that had been healed, but there didn't seem to be a lot of it going on, and I'd, I wasn't, I'd never prayed for someone and, and, and seen them healed myself. So I didn't really have any faith that it would happen for me. And so that was, that was where I was before God started stirring me up and talking to me about it. So fast forward to five years ago. Um, those of you that have read your Bible a lot will know what I mean. You know how you be just merrily reading a little chapter and then there's one verse jumps out at you and smacks you between the eyes and you're like, okay, he's talking to me about this one particular verse. All the rest is good, but I know that he wants me to know something about this verse. So I was reading Matthew 10, and in verses 1 to 2, it says, and he, this is what Steve referred to, and he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. And then a bit further on in the chapter, he sends them out saying, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. And sorry for those of you listening to the audio, you can't see my jumper, which is my to-do list, <laughs> that, that verse. <laughs> and that's why I wear it loads to remind me of what he's asked me to do. So I looked through this list and thought, okay, I'm not doing any of that. And I sort of walked through the list and I thought, well... We don't have leprosy in this country, so I can't do that one. 
I don't work at the conquest, so I'm not really around people who are dying. Um, I don't feel called to speak from the front. <laughs> bit ironic now. Um, I thought, I'm not going anywhere near anything to do with demonic, so I thought, healing it is. <laughs> Great, I picked the easy one, healing, yay! And I thought, how, how do I... How do I do this? I don't know. You know, started reading the Bible and listening to YouTube preachers and trying to think of people that my dad might have listened to because he used to pray for the sick and he used to see people um, healed backs. He saw lots of backs healed. So I was trying to think of people that, that he'd, um, you know, maybe books that my mum had still got um, and started looking into all this stuff, thinking, well, I'm not going to do anything until I know what I really think about it. Um, not going to just you know, bumble into it and, and not really know what I thought about it. And so I spent quite a long time, probably quite a few months, researching all this stuff and making lots of notes and thinking, well, what does that verse, how does that go with that one? And all oh, this works, but that one, like Steve said, there are some that, you know, seem to say different things and how do you match all these things up? Um, so a few of the things that I learned along the way was that I was really, really used to asking God to do things. You know, we're used to asking God to move in situations, to provide, and I'd seen lots of those sort of things been healed. Um, but it was this thing of him giving us the authority and saying, you go and do it. You know, you go and speak to these things. I've asked you to do it. And I was like, oh, that's quite different. Um, oh, in Matthew 10, it says that he, gives, he gave them authority. And so I thought, well, I'm quite used to... Uh, uh, telling my children off, <laughs> being in authority over them and making them do something, you know, when they were smaller anyway. Now they're six foot plus. So um, I thought, yeah, I'm used to doing that. But I thought, I'm not used to speaking to, you know, a part of the body or, or anything like that. That seems really peculiar. Um, but we'd had Angela Chem weekend and um, that was exactly what she was saying and she got us all to pray in that way. So I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to have to start doing that then, I think, and try that and see how we go um and so having got to the point where I knew what I thought I believed roughly anyway had a good basis for starting even though there's still lots of queries around it um I thought let's start with this I said okay God can you give me some people to pray for and so I started praying for people and over several weeks I prayed for 10 people and nothing happened I'd heard stories of some people who'd prayed for 100 people before anything happened. I'd even prayed for someone praying for 1,000 people. They were praying like X amount of people per day. And, and nothing happened until the 1,001. And I'm like, God, I can't do 1,000. I don't think I could even do 100. Please. <laughs> uh, be merciful to me. I don't know if I've got that sort of sticking power. Um, so I'd prayed for 10 and the 11th one was my tickly elbow story. Only 11. How cool is that? Um, so I was very excited by that. And, and in that prayer meeting, those who were in that prayer meeting will testify, I was like a cat on hot bricks after that. I was like, who else wants praying? Anyone else got something wrong with their elbow? Please, please, I need to pray for anyone. This is so exciting. I want to pray all the time for everybody. And, um, and, and Claire Lockwood will probably testify. That for the next two years, I was probably um, a little bit like that at work. Um, praying for everybody and anybody that will give me a chance. I think it probably gets to the point where people are just like, just don't mention something that's wrong if you don't want to be prayed for in front of Sarah, because you'll say, I'll pray, I'll pray. Um, so I got plenty of practice. 
So then lockdown hit. And of course, we weren't even allowed to be anywhere near anybody. So that kind of slowed it down rather dramatically. Um, but I found other ways of doing it. I'd pray for people over the phone or even by text and things like that. And people were still getting healed. Just it slowed really right down. Another thing I learned along the route was in reading the Gospels, it was really, really clear that Jesus did everything out of love for people. It wasn't just a, oh, let's line everybody up and pray for everybody and then move on to the next town. It often said he had compassion on them and healed all their sick. And so that was one thing I recognized that I'm quite black and white in my personality. And I said, I don't want to be doing this as just a routine, mundane, this is what you do. I said, I want to be doing it because I care. You know, I want to be doing it um, because I see people hurting and go, I'm, I'm cross with that. I don't want them to be hurting. Um, I want to see them, you know, made better and their lives be easier. Um, and then obviously after Jesus had, had had compassion and then healed them all, he then nearly always spoke about the kingdom of God. So I thought, that's a good role model. If I see people get healed that don't know God, I mean, it's cool, you know, within a body where we mostly know God, but imagine people outside the church that don't know him at all. Imagine your body getting healed. What's that going to do to them? You know, they're going to go, well, there must be a God. Or, you know, I thought there's a lot, you know, better chance of them listening um, about God if they have felt his touch on their body already. Um, I also came to realize that that part of the Lord's Prayer where we say, your kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You think when we get to heaven, we know there's going to be no sickness and no sadness, no death, no, no issues like that. And so I realized it changed how I prayed the Lord's Prayer. And I said, God, I want to see your kingdom come. I want to see people healed and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Another little bit I learned along the route in thinking about authority because um, it's quite easy to use the word, but it's like, what does that really mean? What does that look like in practice? Um, and I read a really good analogy to do with police officers. So if you think a police officer is trained and their job is to uphold the law, and they are given the authority to do that, because they've got a badge, they've got a uniform, they've been legally been given the authority to go out there and, and help prevent crime and arrest criminals, etc., and, and obviously in America, they've been given a gun to enforce that authority. They've been given physically the power to enforce that authority as well. Um, and so I thought that was a really good analogy of that we are like police officers. We've been trained um, and we have been given his authority. And if we're filled with the Holy Spirit when we're saved, we've then got the power behind it too. So it's not our power, it's him alive inside of us that is you know, we're like a conduit. He's working through us. So I found that a really good analogy to understand that better. I also noticed in looking around on YouTube that some people are completely different in how they minister healing. Um, and I realized that there's no formula um, in that sense. Obviously, it's, it's the Holy Spirit and his power, but there's no formula. People do it in all different ways, and they still see people healed. Um, and they use the personality. Some people are really loud and shouty. Some people are really demonstrative and physical. And others are just really quiet and reserved. And, and they still get results. So I thought, that's good. I don't need to try to copy any one particular person. I just need to be myself. And that's the most 
important bit from my point of view is I can just be me. I don't need to try and emulate someone on a stage just to be the way I am. Um, and I expect if you'd asked my boys, uh, hopefully they would confirm that I'm not a loud, shouty person. I'm quite quiet and reserved. Equally, if I was cross with them and they'd done something wrong, they jolly well knew by my tone of voice. I might not be shouting them, but they would know what I meant by what I said. So before um, the COVID lockdowns, I was praying for several people every Sunday and had seen over 100 people healed in two years. Um, and there's some people in the room here today who were some of those people. Um, so, for example, Pete Webb. He's, um, you can wave, Pete, for those that don't know you. Um, and Rob Williams. Um, and I'm trying to think there's probably other people here as well. So do shout if you're one of those people. I'm trying to work out who's here and who I know, who I've prayed for. Um, uh, Christmas last year, I felt the green light to start ramping it up, start praying for more people. We were all coming. Can you believe that? It was only just over a year ago that we were coming out of lockdowns. It's really weird. Um, and so I felt God going, yep, yep, we're now allowed back out. Everyone's coming back out again. Um, it's, it's a good time to start going for it again. So I said, okay, I've been around everybody all the time and there haven't been, it seemed, so many people to pray for. So will you bring people along again where I know that they're people that you want me to pray for? So that began gradually increasing over sort of January, February, and by the spring, I'd got one week, it was a bit bonkers, I'd prayed for 18 people from Monday to Friday at work, and they weren't all staff people, there were other people who'd come in and said, oh, while I'm here, can you pray? And 10 of those people were healed, more or less, at the time, or very soon afterwards, you know, within a few days or weeks. Um, and the rest were, were things that you can't tell in the moment, like diabetes and heart conditions, where it might be a few months before you can, you know, have the blood tests done and scans and stuff. So that my my faith grew in that week quite a lot. I was like, okay, this is this is really this is really taken off. This is really cool. So my next bit is um, to do with how I pray. Now again, like I've said, there's no formula. This is just a sort of scaffolding to use a teaching term. Um, I needed something that was clear and simple to start off with. I might pray differently to this now, but to start off with, I just wanted something really really simple so that I knew it wasn't about my words um, and, and that anyone could pray it, not elaborate or anything like that. So to start off with, I would find out from the person what the problem was and sort of what their symptoms were, what sort of pain level they might be at on, say, a 1 to 10 scale. Um, if it was a part of the body that wasn't working, you know, say a shoulder that was damaged, I would speak to the shoulder and command it to be healed and just tell it to be healed. Um, whereas if it was an illness, like something you'd caught, um, then I would tell the illness to leave in Jesus' name. So it wasn't a formula, it was just scaffolding, and it was just what I used to, to get me going, because I found that easier. Um, I always spoke in the name of Jesus, so that whatever it was knew that I was using his authority. Um, I would normally pray with my eyes open. Again, we're used to praying with our eyes shut, because we're just talking to Jesus, where at this point I realized I was talking to somebody's body, and, and sometimes you can see things going on. You know, you can see the person responding. So I found it really helpful to pray with my eyes open so that you can potentially respond to whatever might be happening. Um, 
And again, to do with formulas, you can see that Jesus did it in loads of different ways. Obviously, he did mud on the eyes and told people to wash in the rivers. And, you know, sometimes he would have just laid hands. So, yes, I will lay hands on if that's appropriate or suitable. Equally, I'd prayed over the phone with people, um, prayed over the phone with a lady during lockdown, and her leg grew by five centimetres. I wish I'd been there to see it. <laughs> I was like, oh no, it's my first leg growing, and I wasn't even there to see it. But I had to take her word for it, but she, she confirmed it, and then her, would it be osteopath, a chiropractor, one of these people who she was under, because it was causing lots of other issues with all the other joints, um, he confirmed the next time, I was like, I can't, can't explain it. But yeah, um, she, her legs were then the same length. So over the phone, and by text, I've had people who was, um, I think it was a half marathon, actually, and they were going to be running it the next day, and they'd had an issue with their knee. And, and so we were just talking about it on Messenger, and um, their knee was fine, and they run them at half marathon fine. So having prayed, I would then get the person to check it out, obviously carefully. If somebody's got a really bad back, you don't want to go and cause them pain. Um, but to be, you know, carefully check it out. And, and see what's going on. Because sometimes you can just feel something going on. It's not necessarily the pain that's gone. Um, people have all sorts of kind of physical sensations while you're praying sometimes. And if the first time I pray and there's nothing obvious happened, I would almost always ask if it's okay to pray a second time. And then I would just pray exactly the same thing again. You know, I'd be shoulder, be healed in the name of Jesus. Um, and I find that really helpful that it debunks it's not your words. You didn't do it wrong the first time um, for whatever reason. It needed twice, you know, and, that, and that's okay. Like Steve was saying, you know, we don't understand it all, but we just keep pursuing it. Now, I've got a really good example. I call this my mobile phone signal example. Um, so imagine, I know this is hard these days, but not knowing what a mobile phone is. So imagine you were a time traveller from a Victorian era or something and you'd landed in modern day um, in, our, in our year and you were given this black plastic thing. You would have no idea what it was unless somebody told you. You would not know what, you wouldn't know how to turn it on. You wouldn't know that it would turn on. You wouldn't know what it did or anything to do with it. But in reality, you did actually have in your hand, while you were holding that, you did have the power and the facility to make a phone call if you knew how to use it. You had that in your hand. Does that make sense? Um, so like when somebody first gets saved, um, it says in 2 Peter 1 verse 3, they have everything they need for life and godliness. So from the moment you're saved, you've got the Holy Spirit in you, and you've got that mobile phone in your hand. Now, you may not know as a brand new Christian, you may not have a clue what you've got your hands on, but, but you've got it either way. You just need to be learn about how it works. Um, and another good part of that, I thought, was you think about how you can have a mobile phone, phone contract where you pay a monthly fee for unlimited calls. The price has already been paid. You can make as many phone calls as you want. There's no limit on what you can do. And no limit on how many times, you know, you're not going to use up the Holy Spirit. You can, use him, you can use him. That's not the right phrase, but you know what I mean. Um, so Jesus has, has, has paid for it. And, and so he lives inside us. And if you think back to the Garden of Eden um, and the fall, um, in the Garden of Eden, there wasn't any sickness at all there. And so sickness itself has only come in because of the fall. 
And Jesus has beaten that power, so we've got free access to that. So things I'm working on now, um, without going into too much detail of my past, um, he's worked on lots of fears over the years with me. And uh, one of the fears I've been working on recently is about praying for people out in the world. I've, I've got over the fear of what you guys think of me um, and over the fear of what people outside the church think of me. But being outside the church and people knowing that you're a Christian and you potentially doing something that might, they might consider really wacky in front of them, um, that was a big issue for me. Um, and so that's what he's working on me at the minute. Um, but things to do with that, I thought, they're, they're not, if they don't believe in God, there is no way in a million years they are expecting to be healed. So they're not coming into it going, oh, maybe I'll be healed then. And then they're not. They're not, not expecting that. You're, you're wanting that. You're the one with that expectation. But they've got no expectations at all. So actually, you can't disappoint them in that sense. Um, whereas actually, if you're, if you're expecting it and you're wanting to see that, if you pray for somebody, they might actually get healed. And imagine what that would do to them. So in the end, I thought, no, I'll, I'll ignore those fears of what if they don't get healed or what if they're rude to me or what if they think I'm silly. I thought, yeah, but imagine if they met God, what that would do to their, their lives. So I decided to just get on and do it anyway. Another really good bit I've only thought about recently was that um, he's clearly told us to go and heal the sick. And it occurred to me, thinking of the sort of parallel analogy of children, and uh, you wouldn't ask your child to go and get themselves dressed if they were a newborn because they wouldn't be able to do it. So equally, if he's told us to go and do it, then that means he's equipped us to be able to do it as well. He wouldn't deliberately set us up for a fall like that, um, for a fall as in not being able to do it. And also it occurred to me... Um, so probably about 10 years ago, my mum taught me how to pray for my cold. And <clears throat> she said, because um, she'd been doing that for a long time, and, and I'd obviously not talked about it, so I didn't know this was what she was doing. And she said that when you get that tickly throat that you get on the first day of a cold, she said, just tell it to go away. Just say, cold, go away in the name of Jesus. And she said, every time you think about it, just keep telling it, cold, go away in the name of Jesus. Cold, go away, I'm not having it, go away. And she said, you might be sick of telling it by the end of the day. You might have told it 20 or 30 times and be really fed up and seen no difference. But she said, so often when I do that, the next day I'll wake up and I've got no sore throat and no cold. So I started doing that about 10 years ago. And um, the vast majority of the time, I don't succumb to a cold. I can't say I never get anything. But an awful lot of the time, I'll get the sore throat. You know, I might have had six sore throats in the winter. And, and one cold, and even the cold might be really, really tiny, up to a 24-hour cold kind of thing, because I keep going. If I wake up the next day and I've got symptoms, I keep telling it to go away. I don't just go, oh. well, I have done a few times, but there we go. That's another story. So whether it's a cold, or whether it's a broken arm, or, and I'm going to touch on things that are more sensitive, I'm very aware of that too. Um, obviously, there's a lot bigger diseases out there. Um, I can't heal a cold or cancer. God can do both. Um, in our view, a cold is much easier. It's like, but can you heal a cold? No. You know, so, so we can't physically do anything about it ourselves. Whereas God can do all of it. So it's only in our view 
that we have a bigger problem with more serious diseases because, humanly speaking, we're used to them being more serious. We know a cold will go of its own accord, so it's not so serious in that sense. So um, for a long time, the things I was praying for were, were humanly speaking, much more trivial things. Um, I didn't have any faith to pray for more serious things. You know, I'd started with the colds, and then obviously God has spoken to me that, and, and it ramped up quite quickly. But a lot of them were still, relatively speaking, um, you know, joint issues and pains and things like that. And that was really good. But I was like, come on, God, if you can do all these things, I know you can do the harder things. I don't want to settle um, for what we're seeing. I want to see, you know, people saved and snatched out of the claws of death, you know. And so that's what I'm really pursuing at the minute. So over that time, an example of the kind of things I've seen healed now, um, I've seen lots and lots of joint things, so backs, and knees, ankles, toes, hips, shoulders, broken ribs, um, heart conditions, lungs with issues, skin issues, um, muscles that have been torn or damaged, um, and seen bones healed. So that's an example. But um, Steve, have I got time to tell a few stories? One or two. One or two. Claire, which ones do I pick? <laughs> the arm story. That's going for the biggest one first, though. <laughs> I'll go for the shingles story first. So uh, a friend of mine had shingles, and uh, they didn't come to church for several weeks, because as you know, when you're an adult and get it, you can be really quite poorly for some time. And so when she first came back to church... Um, I said, can I, can I pray? You obviously still look like you're in quite a lot of discomfort. And so we prayed, and um, nothing apparently happened. And so I said, can I pray again? And so we prayed a second time. And in that moment, all her shingles pain went, which was really, really cool. And then the second bit, which is even more cool, because it was really not what I'd asked for. I'd been praying for the pain to go. Um, I got a text message from this person several days later, um, and it just completely blown them away. Uh, they'd got in the shower. And, you know, with shingles, you get lots of um, stuff on your torso. You get lots of lesions. And, and, you know, you can have scabs and everything from that for a long time and scarring and stuff. And they'd got in the shower with their stomach all damaged. And they came out of the shower. And it was all gone. <laughs> just in one moment like that. Um, as far as I know, I've seen one person healed of depression. Um, and I wasn't even praying for that. I was praying for another part of their body. And I didn't know about the depression. And they said that in that moment, as the rest of their body was healed, the black cloud just lifted and never came back. So that is, is awesome. It's, it's not just about bodies. Um, you know, physical stuff. You know, I want to see the whole lot, the whole lot healed. Every part of us. Um, Somebody would had a really bad broken elbow. Um, I think it was a car accident when they were much younger and they were a much older person and, and they couldn't straighten their elbow properly. And um, so we prayed for that. And over the five or ten minutes that we were praying occasionally and watching, um, she was able to straighten her elbow out almost fully. The pain and discomfort had gone and she got a whole load more mobility back from that. So that was really exciting. And another one I have documentary evidence of. I've got a before and after photo. Um, a friend of mine had hurt their ankle, and it was very swollen. And we took a photo before showing the swollen ankle, 
And over about 20 minutes, we were aware that it was gradually going down and gradually going down. So we've got a before and after, and the after one where there's only the tiniest little bit of puffiness left. And you can just see in like 20 minutes, because the, the pictures are time stamped in 20 minutes, it had gone from being really painful and swollen to uncomfortable and, and a little bit of swollen. So that was very exciting. I have seen several legs grow. That's really cool. Um, I have now seen one person's healing, uh, hearing, hearing improved. Sorry, Laurie, um, thinking of your hearing. Um, so one person who had not complete hearing loss, but, but quite a significant amount. And, and it hasn't all fully come back now, but a significant amount has come back. So that's, that's my first ears um, healed. Uh, then, for those of you that don't know, I volunteer at the Conquest Hospital with the chaplaincy team. And uh, a year ago, um, a friend of a friend brought somebody in who'd been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And um, humanly speaking, the diagnosis is obviously uh, not, not at all good for that kind of cancer. And so we prayed. Um, she's part of a church, so lots of other prayed, people prayed too. And um, a couple of weeks ago, I bumped into her and she told me that she'd been given the all clear. Yeah, they can't find any trace and they don't quite know what to do now because people don't generally get, there's no protocol to follow. What do we do with the aftercare? There's no normally aftercare to do. So that was, um, that one got me. And I'm like, first of many, God, we want to see that. Not one a year, we want to see that, you know, once a week or something. Um, so pursuing that one as well. And then the one that physically, um, I know some of you here will know the story, um, of the person with a, a withered whole left side of their body. Um, I won't go into all the detail because the whole story in itself is, is quite long. Um, but the person, they're, they're, they'd had a severe head injury as a child and, and the whole left-hand side of the body hadn't grown properly and so their leg was too short, um, their arm was small and and not proper blood circulation. The skin was white instead of proper skin coloured. They could only move their arm that much, just a couple of inches away. They had no movement in their hand at all. Couldn't move anything to do with their hand. Um, and their back was quite rounded. They were very stooped. Um, and their shoulders were un uneven because the whole this side of their torso was too small. So this one was at normal height and this one was really low. And... Um, so I asked somebody who I knew had a lot more faith than I did at the time to come and pray with me. <laughs> Been a bit chicken, and and so we said, right, let's let's start with your leg. Have you got one leg shorter than the other? Yes, yes. So we prayed for the leg, and the leg grew. <laughs> Over several minutes, you couldn't actually see it moving, but you knew that at the beginning it was that length, and they, you were, they were clearly different lengths. And and by several minutes later, there was no difference at all. So that was really cool. So I then had faith for her back to have no pain because um, I'd seen that many times before now so I said right let, let's pray for your back so we both went round behind her this was in a, in a morning meeting um, at another church and and we went round and put our hands on her back and at one point the chap I was praying with said oh I can feel your back getting really hot um, what can you feel and, and they said oh, I can feel loads going on but I don't know how to describe it and then I could feel the heat too. It was literally like having my hand on a radiator. It wasn't just because I had my hand on her. And, and then the other chap said, oh, I feel God says you need to sit up straight. So, so she went from being all sort of hunched like that and sat up straight. 
and the shoulders were straight. And we were sitting there going, so you couldn't do that before, could you? Because <laughs> obviously I'd not met her before. Um, so I didn't really know everything that was wrong or what was actually physically wrong. It was like, you couldn't sit up straight. And they were like, no, no, I was, I was hunched. I could move my head up properly. And so we're like, okay, don't know quite how to process this one. But this is really exciting. And we're obviously really, really excited and, you know, shaken with Holy Spirit excitement by that point and adrenaline. And so we went round to the front of them and uh, looked at her arm and thought, well, it's in the back and the legs change, so let's go for the arm. Don't know quite how to pray with this. So we were doing the very elaborate praying thing, um, hoping that the more we prayed, hopefully it would work better. Um, and over the course of maybe half an hour, we were, it was like a time warp. I don't really know how long it was. Because by the time we'd finished, there was virtually nobody there. There were two or three people. You know, they put the chairs away. The band had gone home. The PA was all gone. Um, and they were just like, you know, we, what's going on over here? Then we are like, come and see what's going on. So by the end of it, her fingers had changed shape. And they'd been bent and twisted. And, and they were completely white. And the skin color had come back to normal. And, and like I say, that fingers that were not the normal shape had gone back to being straight. The hand had grown. <laughs> fingers had got longer. Um, her, her arm around her wrist was bigger than what it had been to start off with. It, you know, we tested it and putting fingers around her arm before and after. It got, it got bigger. Um, partway through, we prayed specifically for her shoulder. And by the end of it, she could raise her arm above her head. Um, and right near the very end, we could see that her fingers were beginning to tiny, tiny little bit of movement. And by that point, we were crying because <laughs> we were completely wrecked. Um, you know, I mean, it's amazing when you, you pray for somebody, you know, say like heart condition. You can't see that heart condition. That, that person knows when they've been healed because they know the physical difference. Um, but you can't see someone's heart change. But when you see someone's fingers go straight when they weren't straight before... I was just a mess for four days, which again, Claire will testify that I couldn't stop talking and I couldn't stop moving and I couldn't eat and I couldn't sleep. For four whole days, I was as high as a kite. Um, and, and if any point in that last year since that happened, I've questioned anything to do with God. You know, we all get those thoughts of questioning, you know, is, am I doing the right thing? Is he really real? You know, and that kind of stuff. I've thought, Sarah think about those fingers and you're like yes okay that can't be psychosomatic because <laughs> um, obviously it's easier to try and you know talk yourself out of things and think perhaps it didn't really happen I'm like no that happened right in front of your eyes um, there's no denying that are they cool stories <laughs> okay how are we doing for time Steve we're out of time is it time to pray for people? Have we got time to pray for people? Five minutes. Okay. I want to help demystify that it's not about me because I keep saying it's Jesus and we, we've all got the Holy Spirit inside us. So what I would like you to do is have a think. If you have got a part of your body, however trivial you might think it, you know, it might be your little finger that's sore um, or it might be a really serious condition. Um, so you're going to have a think about this. I'm going to ask you to put your hand up, not right this minute, 
So think about whether you're brave enough to put your hand up and if you would like prayer. And what we're going to do is when those people put their hands up is I'm going to ask all you other guys who are part of the church, I want you to go just one person to that one person. And when someone's come to you, put your hand down so you know that everybody has got somebody with you to pray. And um, we're just going to do, like I said, the most simplest of prayers so you don't get caught up in the thing of, I need to pray an elaborate prayer because as we've seen, you don't need to pray an elaborate prayer. It can, you know, simple prayers are fine, um, especially when if you guys aren't used to doing it. Um, so we're just going to, like I say, tell a, a damaged part of the body to be healed in Jesus' name or tell a sickness to go away in Jesus' name. Okay, so just like one minute prayer. Having found out what's wrong, obviously, just a minute or so, finding out what's wrong, then a one-minute quick prayer, just that one sentence, and then you get to test it out. Okay? So we're going to do that, and then we'll see if anyone's got any stories that they can share afterwards, because you may feel things in your body. It may not be obvious that you're healed, but you might well have felt things. And then if we've got time, possibly, for sharing that. If not, you'll have to share next week or with your connect group leaders. Is that okay? Okay. So if you could put your hand up if you would like prayer, please. Okay, so everybody else, have a look around and could you please go to those people that would like prayer and find out what is wrong and then pray.